Hey everyone, it's Christy Wolf. I'm a partner in Kelly Dry's advertising group, and I wanted to talk a little bit today about health claims and what I think the FTC may do as we go forward in the Biden administration um, over the course of the next year and really the next few years, and and you know both try to look into the crystal ball and and compare and contrast with what we've seen over the last few administrations. So for those of you who are um, in this area, or maybe if you're new to this area, the last, I would say, 10 years have been pretty interesting relative to health claims, uh, which have long been a priority for the FTC. Uh, during the Obama administration, we saw uh, the health claims enforcement really explore what does competent and reliable scientific evidence mean for purposes of foods and dietary supplements. And you'll recall a number of settlements that came out that you know involved you know two two clinical studies the two RCT standard and there was a lot of discussion you know in the early uh, 2010 to say 2013 14 around what did that mean for food products and and dietary supplements and was that the right standard or was it a bar that was simply set too high obviously it um, sounds a lot like a, a drug-like standard, and is that really an appropriate standard uh, for foods or for dietary supplements? Uh, so there was quite a bit of exploration of that, and even you know litigation, the Palm litigation, um, where ultimately they they did not require two studies. Um, the Bear litigation, which also I think was viewed as a win, and, and rightly so, for industry relative to. Um, what competent and reliable scientific evidence, you know, is or could be, right? Um, it's not necessarily the exact same thing. It depends on the, the factors that go into it, the Pfizer factors that you weigh to figure out what, what evidence is, is enough. For those of you who may be new to the term competent and reliable scientific evidence, um, that's the substantiation standard to, to claim that, you know, your product or an ingredient in your product provides a health benefit, and there are the, the literal definitions in various orders and FTC guidance. But I like to think of it in plain terms, which is, you know, it's a, it's a quantity and quality of evidence um, that is sufficiently robust uh, such that experts in the relevant field would say, yeah, that's enough. That's enough to support that particular claim. Um, and so throughout the Obama administration, we saw a number of cases and settlements that shed light on this um, relative to conventional food products and dietary supplements. And then uh, during the Trump administration, there, you know, as there is with any administration, there was a change in enforcement priorities and uh, where the, the agency was going to focus its efforts. And we saw, I would say, less of an exploration on competent and reliable scientific evidence and what that means, although there were some cases um, that that were filed and that proceeded, one of which was the Quincy Biosciences case, um, which is still pending, which directly explores, you know, whether or not the study that's at issue in that case um, is sufficient to support memory and cognition related claims. And that's definitely one to watch. But by and large, we saw the agency to the extent that they, you know, were engaging in enforcement relative to health claims. It involved, you know, claims that I would say were, were aggressive uh, involving treatment or cures for chronic illnesses. There were literally hundreds of warning letters 
issued relative to COVID-related claims. So take this and you can prevent COVID or take this other product and it will treat um, your COVID symptoms. Um, there were those, there were others for diabetes, um, for addiction, false addiction cure type of cases. Um, and, you know, stuff that, that it wasn't a question of, well, gosh, are these, these two studies enough or this one really robust study, is this enough? These were more clear cut in terms of very aggressive claims. And, um, you know, in many instances, probably little to no evidence to support, to support those claims. Um, so in terms of what should we expect, I think that, that, we, we should expect the FTC to, again, start to look at, okay, what does competent and reliable scientific evidence really mean for the food and dietary supplement space? And as I mentioned before, you know, that part of that will be in the Quincy case, um, which it remains pending. And as of right now, scheduled to, to go to trial uh, right around this time next year. So we'll see what happens there. We've also seen the FTC uh, just earlier this month finalized orders relative to CBD products. This was the Operation CBD Seat that um, was announced in December 2020. It was six companies that that made the kinds of very aggressive health claims that I mentioned earlier relating to you know treatment or prevention of cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, uh, chronic pain, and and those kinds of very serious illnesses. So these were probably not an exploration of a lot of substantiation, but they were significant because it was the, the FTC's first big enforcement action, you know, where it involved, um, you know, both a, a press conference and a coordinated effort to, to really draw industry's attention to this particular uh, type of product and, you know, some unique settlement terms, including consumer redress, so refunds for products that were purchased and notice to consumers of the settlements and that, that consumers could get redressed. So, you know, it certainly signals that, you know, in addition to exploring competent, reliable scientific evidence, the agency is open to taking steps that they haven't previously taken on a regular basis relative to letting consumers know that a particular product, you know, was determined to be, uh, you know, the, the subject of some deceptive advertising and um, that they can get, that they can get um, consumer refunds for that. A couple other things I want to just flag since we are, you know, still hopefully relatively close to the, the tail end of um, the pandemic as part of the budget bill that passed the House at the end of 2020, the FTC was given civil penalty authority for deceptive advertising relating to COVID. Um, so this, you know, potentially would include false COVID claims um, or or other kinds of claims. And you can imagine this could be a broad swath of things, um, you know, both product uh, that you might consume, health claim kind of thing, or it could be you know, financial products or something like that, where they're targeting people um, who were who were adversely impacted by the pandemic. Um, and, and the FTC has the civil penalty authority for deceptive COVID-related advertising uh, throughout the duration of the public health emergency. Um, this is significant because the FTC engaged in a lot of warning letters, you know, up 
throughout 2020 and yet still was criticized by Congress for not doing more. And so I expect that since Congress now gave them the civil penalty authority, they will be expected to and, and will find opportunities to use it um, to really try to uh, protect consumers given the, the level of um, both impact on consumers and you know potentially deceptive, deceptive activity that has come about during the pandemic. Um, so those are some things to watch for um, as we go forward. Of course, we don't have yet uh, Biden's appointments relative to the FTC's bureau director um, or the, the, the chair, chair of the FTC. Uh, there's an acting chair right now, and it's possible that um, she remains uh, the permanent chair, but that remains to be seen. So maybe we'll do an update when we have more information about who's filling those slots and what we know about those people. That's all I have for today. Please do check us out at adlawaccess.com for any more information on health claims and lots of other advertising issues. Thanks, and we'll talk to you soon.